What's up, Gator Country? You man, Andrew Spivey, back with Nick. And Nick, it's uh, game week for a big one. It is Florida, LSU, uh, honoring Tom Petty in the swap. Uh, I mean, not that you needed it to get any bigger than Florida, LSU, but uh, it's Florida, LSU week. Right, and uh, and we said it last week on the podcast. Uh, it just seems like every game is getting bigger here for the Gators. Uh, and, and like you said, it's not really just because of this Florida LSU match matchup. Both these teams sit at four and two, both desperately need another SEC win. Uh, this is a big matchup, Andrew, and, and, and I'm really excited to be there. And I know you're, you're coming down for the first time. Uh, so we're excited to, uh, to have you and uh, yeah, we're excited to get things going. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing for, for me with this game is you, you look at it and I, I mean, it's a mirror image of a, of two programs, but not the mirror image of a two programs, if, if that makes sense. Uh, and I'll try to explain that. But, you know, obviously you have Brian Kelly and Billy Napier both in first years uh, of their rebuild. But you have, you know, Brian Kelly, who is a, you know, a long-time proven coach uh, with expectations a little bit higher because of that, whereas in, you know, Billy Napier just in his – second job, you know, fifth year as a uh, head football coach at, at this level. Uh, so the expectations are a little bit different um, overall. And, you know, I, again, I think LSU has some talents on this team. Um, they have not played particularly well, uh, just got absolutely slaughtered at home by uh, Tennessee. I mean, that was a shellacking. It wasn't even as close as the score uh, suggests. Um, and, uh, you know, things aren't good for Brian Kelly, really. I mean, uh, fans are not uh, particularly happy with me, and uh, I, I can't say that I'm shocked. I, I, if you told me Brian Kelly was going to be well-received in Baton Rouge, I'd have told you, yeah, you're probably fooling yourself. Right, and, and the bottom line is Brian Kelly really, really, really needs to win this football game because if he doesn't, it starts off at a 4-3 and three record uh, with losses to FSU and UF. That's not gonna. That's not gonna uh, go go over well in Baton Rouge, to say the least. No, and you know, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, these are big games for both teams. Um, you know, obviously this year in particular, uh, the two teams aren't really battling for the same guys. Uh, but you know, in most years they are. Uh, most years they do battle uh, for the same guys, and um, and so you look at it and, and you just. You need the momentum, and and, I, and we we talk about this. And I, again, I am. This goes against everything I believe in because I am one of those who is not a participation trophy. You're either the champion or you're not the champion. You're either the best or you're not, or you're just not. And uh, but both of these teams have goals, obviously, to win the championship. But both of them is pretty much not going to win the championship. But their goals have definitely got to be to have a nine win season that, that needs to be where they're at uh but more importantly have the momentum that recruits the fan base you know the national media everyone thinks that the program's heading in the right direction um and this is a big game for for both for both of them in that aspect um both of them still have uh two uh some of their bigger games remaining uh as you said they're both four or two let's see lsu has um, Ole Miss coming up, they have Alabama coming up, and they have Arkansas and A&M coming up. They have four games that are absolutely brutal that they will be 
probably underdogs in in that game. And then you look at Florida, who has Georgia coming up in two weeks. So uh, both of these teams need a win this week to kind of get momentum going into that stretch where it's not fun. It's not. You know, Florida going to Jacksonville is not going to be fun. Uh, You know, do I think Florida could pull off the upset? Sure. But it's going to be a, a war. Right. And, you know, this game is so important because when you look at, at the record for both teams, right, they're four and two, and then you look at the expectations. Well, let's say the Gators come out on top and they move to five and two. Andrew, I would say that that, at the very least, meets expectations. It might even pass expectations, right? That 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 might be, you know, the f- five and two start would be would be a pretty pretty great thing for Billy Napier, vice versa. When you look at uh, when you look at LSU and Brian Kelly. If they start out five and two, I think a lot of LSU fans would be pretty pleased with that. If they start off four and three, that's 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 probably not where they wanted to be. So you know this game is so important for kind of shifting momentum into the second half of the season. Well, and it is because of just like kind of what you said there in that you know so both teams are going to be measured in the SEC by each other. Um, right. That that just is what it is because of both of them having new football coaches. Uh, you know, both of them are programs who, you know, over the last, you know, few years have not lived up to expectations. LSU surely hasn't. And I, you know, in my opinion, Florida hasn't either. Uh, both of them have national championship expectations year in and year out. So you have to start comparing, you know, where these two programs are. Uh, you know, again, I think that Florida is probably a little ahead of of LSU, um, obviously that might be me being biased because I I am around the Florida program more so than I am the LSU program. Uh, but just you know from perception, it, it definitely seems like Florida is uh, definitely you know in a little bit better of a spot uh, recruiting wise for sure, um, and just overall that that LSU is. Uh, Obviously, it's a big game for several guys, too. Uh, it's a big game for Billy Napier. I, I know he didn't want to talk about it, uh, but, you know, when LSU didn't go full court press on him because he was at their so-called little brother school at, at Lafayette, that, that pissed Billy Napier off. He thought he was good enough that he should have been one of the top one to two candidates at LSU and not, you know, maybe three or four. So uh, a little bit there, Montreal Johnson, Louisiana guy, snub from going there. Uh, Corey Raymond, a longtime Tiger. Uh, you know, you got several guys, Jabbar Jaloot, former Tiger. You got several guys in this game that are going to, you know, want to win this football game in Gainesville. Right. I mean, this, uh, you know, Napier has said it all week. It, all the players are aware of what's going on, right? These players, they, they know of this rivalry. And, and Andrew, if you ask a lot of these players on the team, and I, cause everyone likes to talk about rivalries, you know, Georgia, FSU, things like that. A good amount of players on this Florida Gator roster right now would say that LSU is the number one rival. I think, uh, I think Richard Garage said it uh, at the SEC media days this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that they're the number one rival um, for me. Oh, no, yeah, I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying there are players on the team that would put LSU as the number one. Right. Now, I mean, you look at it, there's been some some 
some incredible football games between the two. Uh, and if you look at it, there's been some moments in the, in this rivalry that have made it worse. Uh, you know, the uh, the whole hurricane situation where, uh, you know, uh, LSU's uh, former AD that I will not name, uh, you know, kind of called Florida out for being scared. Uh, Florida ends up going to Baton Rouge because they wouldn't come uh, to Gainesville and play uh, and win that football game and, you know, take that. Um, take that win and it pushed them into the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, you've had several games throughout the last uh, 10 years or so that have made this rivalry uh, better. And I think every year that when we talk about, you know, it, it going away uh, kind of fuels it a little bit more because it's all from the LSU side of things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that uh, LSU might be a little scared to have to play Florida every year. So um, it's a rivalry for sure. Um, I still would put it behind Florida State and Georgia. Uh, that's just that's just me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, yeah, it's right there with, uh, to me, it's the second tier kind of rivalry with like Tennessee and, and LSU. That's kind of where I have them together. But, yeah, no doubt there's, you know, the players are aware of what's going on in this game. Uh, they're definitely going to be amped up to play. And, and, and Andrew, you mentioned Florida being, in in your opinion, you know, a little bit in a in a better spot entering this week. And, and I and I also agree with you um, for for a number of reasons. But the first being, early on, there was a lot of issues um, with with Brian Kelly and and I don't know if you remember the 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 after after they lost to FSU in week zero or week one, I guess. Um, there were some some players that were kind of acting weird and deleting things on on Instagram. You know, their star wide receiver uh, Kayshawn uh, Booty, he um, he has not really produced this season, right? He only he's fourth in the team in receptions and entering the season, he was their star guy. Uh, and I think they had Malik Neighbors kind of delete some stuff off Instagram, and it was just weird. It seems like he was losing the team really early. Um, and also, you know, they're coming off of a forty to thirteen loss to Tennessee at home. Uh, you know, who knows how they're going to respond to that. That's that's unpredictable. But I will say I, I, I agree that Florida is just sitting in a little bit of a better spot. It's still close because obviously both teams are four and two. But I would lean Florida just as far as, you know, comfortability and, and, and kind of being prepared for this matchup. I do think LSU brings a very, very difficult task for Florida, especially on defense. Um, and we can get into that kind of breakdown later. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely think the buy-in from from Billy's standpoint is is better. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing too, and, and that is Brian Kelly is kind of like a Dan Mullis, where guys play for him. I don't know that they particularly love him, um, you know, and and, and that's not everybody, um, but. It, I think that it's a little bit of kind of the same. Um, whereas, you know, a guy like Ed Orgeron, everybody loved Ed Orgeron. Heck, I liked Ed Orgeron just because how funny he was. He's a right. funny dude. Uh, but so I think that you, you know, have that problem. And, and that is where, you know, you kind of look at it a little bit and say, okay, you know, you, he has a little bit bigger of a buy-in uh, process. Uh, so I think that that's a little bit there. And, and, I, and it's hard to say – it's all Brian Kelly. Uh, obviously, Brian Kelly don't doing no favors uh, with his uh, um, personality, but I, I, I do think the buy-in's there a little bit more uh, with Billy Napier so far. Um, and, and you know, I, I think overall it just seems like 
you know, everyone knew Orgeron was not going to be the guy at LSU. Everyone kind of got that feeling. But at the same point, the, the, the players loved him still. And the players still wanted to play for him. Uh, whereas then, you know, when Mullen left, there wasn't really a fight from the Florida, uh, Florida guys. Right. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, LSU. And it took a miracle run, right, in, in like – you know, I think most of us knew Ed was not going to be the guy at LSU, but, you know, it took a miracle run for him to win his national championship, right? I mean, they had Joe Brady, Joe Burrow. They, uh, I think, like, 30 NFL players were on that team. Like, there was, like – Jamar Chase. Yeah, you know, Justin <laughs> Jefferson. But every starter was drafted and then the backups as well. well think about that, so, man. Yeah. I, I know we're getting off here, but think about that. Justin yeah. Jefferson and Jamar Chase. That's yeah. two phenomenal, phenomenal players. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, like, I, I, I remember watching them both, and, like, Jamar was, was a little younger, and he was just as good. And I was like, dang, this is this – is, that was an offense to watch. I, I was at the game, again, off track, but I was at their playoff game against Oklahoma, uh, and they threw up 49 points in one half. Yeah. Both, uh, you know, uh, Jamar should have been a Gator. Yep. Absolutely. Tim Skipper had him. Uh, let's get into this matchup a little bit. So um, I think that, you know, when you look at this game, um, and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I think it's a little bit of tell of, of, of the same team in, in a way mirrored on offense. Um, and, you know, again, you can we can nitpick it a little bit, but, but let's just go through it here. Um, offensively, LSU uh, is averaging 429 yards uh, per, per game. Four to 435. Four to 7th in the SEC, LSU's 8th. Scoring, uh, LSU's averaging a little over 31 points a game. Florida's averaging a little under 30 points a game. Uh, 53rd, uh, or 8th in the SEC for LSU, ninth for Florida. Uh, When you go to the the rushing game, Florida's at 213, LSU's at 172. Uh, uh, LSU has a little bit better of a passing game at 256 to Florida's 222. Um, So you look at that, it's almost identical. Um, and then you kind of look at it a, a, a little bit, and you look at um, the quarterback position. Jaden Daniels, he struggled a little bit passing. Um, that, that's kind of been a, a problem for him, really, is his accuracy. Uh, 121 for 176 uh, overall. Um, so, you know, a little better, about 60%, 65%. Um, only seven touchdowns through the air. So, you know, when you look at this team, and you brought it up earlier, um, off air, and that is LSU has the running back by committee as well. Uh, they don't have one guy. Jay Daniels leads the team in rushing. So when you look at it overall, it is almost identical on offense for both teams. And it's kind of scary the way it's almost identical on on both sides of the ball yeah and I I think their game scripts are going to be very similar you know you just mentioned the run game you know Mm -hmm. Naquan Wright has 44 carries Trevor Etienne 45 Montreal Johnson 46 it's literally the exact same and then when you look at LSU they have four running backs that range between 32 and 35 carries four running backs not we have three they have four and then Jaden Daniels has 76 attempts on the season which is double the next close to this guy so you know, they're going to, they're going to do, you know, Jaden Daniels is going to run the football. They're going to hand the ball off to their, to their four running backs and, and the Gators are going to have to stop them. Uh, to me, that's the, that's the early sign, but I'm looking at this and there's also some differences between our offenses as well. Right. So 
Jane Daniels is not turning the ball over as much as Anthony Richardson is. That's difference number one. Difference number two I see is that Jaden Daniels has been sacked 20 times this season. Oh, wow. 20, 20 times. Anthony Richardson just four, just uh, has just taken four sacks this season. So when I look at that, I'm looking at the Gator defense and I'm saying, you got to get to the quarterback, right? I mean, 20 sacks is a significant amount through through six games. Um, right. So to me, that that's that's the area that I'm looking at is the 20 sacks. That's the biggest difference, and that's definitely in favor of the Gators. Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, you know, uh, you you look at uh, Daniels, and he's uh, let's see, Anthony Richardson's at um, 1182 passing. Uh, Jaden Daniels is at 1215. So so pretty close there overall. Um, you know, and again. Daniels won't turn the ball over through the air as much as Anthony Richardson will, but he also doesn't connect with his receivers as much either. Uh, you know, they, they, they both struggle with accuracy. Um, they both struggle with, uh, you know, get, finding the, the open um, the open guy sometimes. So uh, I think both teams are going to come into this game, uh, going to come into this game wanting to be physical. Uh, they're going to want to come into this game and want to control the line of scrimmage and keep the ball away from the other team. Um, and, you know, as all big games are, this game very well could be decided by um, who turns the ball over and who doesn't turn the ball over uh, out of Richardson and Daniels. Right. And just another quick, quick similarity I'm seeing, but this one's on special teams. LSU's not kicking very many field goals, and uh, the Gators haven't kicked very many this year either. Um, LSU's kicker has just five attempts, and he's only made three of them. Uh, and they're all from ranges 30 to 39. So, there, I mean, a lot, like you said, a lot of similarities in this game. Um, but also some 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 key differences. So you know, the, it, it's especially to, on the defense side of the ball, right? And it's and it's up to the Gators to try to capitalize on those. Yeah, you go to the defense side of the ball, and that's where things have been a pretty pretty big difference. And right. you know, LSU is fourth in the SEC, only giving up 328 yards a game, uh, whereas uh, Florida is twelfth in the SEC, uh, giving up 412 yards a game. Um, LSU's only given up 19 points a, a game, uh, as Florida's given up 25.3. Um, LSU is uh, uh, giving up less than 200 yards passing a game, which is interesting, especially after the Tennessee game. Um, but it, it will be it will be interesting to see. You know, obviously LSU's schedule has been a little bit easier than Florida's. Um, especially you get some of the offenses. So it will be interesting to see just how LSU, you know, goes into this game and, and, and fares in the passing game. Um, obviously, we know they're going to come in and want to shut down the running game. But can LSU contain um, Anthony Richardson? They didn't do a good job of containing Hayden Hooker. Uh, can they do a good job of containing Anthony Richardson? That'll be a key in the game. And then once Florida is able to get Richardson going, if they are, then how do they stop the running game when it now becomes a, a kind of a two, uh, two monster where, you know, Richardson can run and throw at the same time. And then also, you know, how is the health of Anthony Richardson, um, you know, didn't run as very, as much as you wanted to see, uh, in the first half of the, uh, Missouri game, you know, is he able to, you know, go and run, you know, this is a game where you would really like Anthony Richardson to have a good amount of uh, rushing tips. Right. And, and I think ultimately, and, and I've said it all week, I think ultimately 
Anthony Richardson running the ball, Andrew, even if he's not uh, that effective, I think it affects the game in so many different areas, right? So looking back to the Tennessee game, Anthony Richardson had 17 rush attempts. He never once broke one for a long run. Uh, He was just clipping them, I don't know, three to four yards a clip. I think he was 17 rushes for, I don't know, 60, 64 yards. It was something along those lines. It wasn't, it wasn't a crazy impressive performance on the ground from Richardson. But what it did was allow Tennessee defense or actually make the Tennessee defense watch him. And, and, and the linebackers had to play up a little bit more. That way he could go over top. Uh, and we saw Richardson throw for 500 yards in that game. Um, so I think, I think just running the football, even if it's with Richardson, even if it is not as effective as you might want it to be, even if he's you know, battling with a hamstring injury, whatever the case may be, I think just showing that you're willing to run is going to help the Gators through – on the on the ground with the running backs and through the air. Well, and, and the thing is too, and, and that is it also. So you're seeing a lot of uh, defenses now. You know, obviously playing the uh, the RPO game because of the you know uh, of it being you know becoming a a huge factor in um, offenses. But you're starting to see a little bit at times where Anthony comes becomes predictable, where you know, especially like in the first half last week, where he didn't pull it at all, where teams now don't have to make sure that DN stays home as much, um, and he can't get predictable in this game to where you know team uh, LSU is able to say, you know what, we don't think he's going to run here. Um, that's where he's got to be able to keep them honest. You know, keep that backside defender uh, or backside defenders because most most of the time it's multiple guys. Uh, keep those guys home instead of allowing them just to crash on your running backs. Right, and I think you mentioned the RPO, and I think that's you know, it's become such a, a kind of prominent part of college football offenses. Right, it's like if you don't run the RPO, your your offense is not very successful. Right. Well, and, and for me, and and I mean, you know, obviously you may have different opinion here, but when Florida's going well, it's when they're getting the rollout game going with with Richardson and and you know the um, the bootlegs and that kind of stuff. So you know you need to see that more uh, in the game. But when that happens, Anthony has got to be a willing runner um, in those opportunities, or it doesn't work. It's not as successful. Um, as when he's a willing runner, because when he's getting out on the edge and the defender has to make a decision, do I go for Anthony and allow him to throw it over the top of me, or do I sit back and you know guard the pass and hope he doesn't run? That's been Florida's best play you know of the year a lot of times. You will go back to the Utah game. In my opinion, it won on the game uh, that the uh, the bootleg pass. So you need that to happen in this game, and you need that to be uh, something that LSU fears um, majorly. Yeah. I mean, the my favorite play call against Missouri was the first play call of the second half. It was just a naked bootleg, easy five-yard pass for Richardson to get things going. That was my favorite play call of the entire day. Um, just because how simple it was, it was so effective. Richardson could have taken off and running as well for probably about the same game, but just quick dump. I think it was Keon Zipper who who caught the pass. But I I agree. Got to get got to roll out Richardson this season. Richardson has been at his best outside of the pocket. That that's just a fact. Um, well, and it, opinion, it's a three it's a three thing. It's it's three. You have three options there. Uh, you know on, on those plays, and you know you have the the underneath. That's usually to Keon Zipper. Um, right. And then you've had the crossing route, 
and Anthony has been able to hit it a few times because that the second-level um, defenders um, have kind of broken up to stop the pass, and he's been able to hit it a couple times on the second crossing route, the deeper crossing route, um, to uh, Ricky Pearsall uh, and Justin Shorter a couple times. So you have three options there, and it's, it's three very easy reads to make, um, especially, you know, when, you know, when Anthony gets flustered at times, you, you worry about him not going through his progressions and not reading the defense right. It's three easy pro- reads right there. If the, if the, the, um, flat defender breaks up at you, you dump it to the easy guy, uh, Keon Zipper. If the linebacker and safety all break up on you, then you wait on the second crossing route to come up. If neither one of those guys break up at you, you take off and run. So it's a pretty simple read there, um, and it's something, you know, that you could run that play 10 to 15 times a game if you're running the ball, and defenses don't have much of an answer for it. There's not much of an answer for it. I mean, you know, obviously you would love your defensive end to stay home there, um, but I like like Richardson's chances against 99% of defensive ends in, in college football now. When it gets to the NFL and J.J. Watt and those guys, maybe it's a different story, but in college, I like his chances against most DNs. Right. I mean, we have seen him throw DNs to the ground this season, so it's like um, – but I, I agree with you. I think I think what makes Richardson so effective in that in that kind of rollout play that we're talking about, it, it, it's the fact that these linebackers and, and these safeties they have to keep the keep their eye on Richardson as well, right? Like they right. can't just they can't just sit in their zone and, and defend their zone. They have to also watch Richardson because if he takes off and runs runs and they're not paying attention, he could go he could take it to the crib. Uh, you know that's just the kind of athletic ability that, uh, he has. And Napier mentioned uh, in in Wednesday's presser. They, they did a study on, on third downs, and they, and they found out that the most effective teams on third downs are the ones with athletic quarterbacks. That's just the fact. Like, it's, it's a statistical fact that athletic quarterbacks are better on third downs simply because they have that option to take off and run. And it's not just the option to take off and run. It's that these defenders have to know that and have to keep an eye on that. And that, and, and that can be distracting when you're watching a mobile quarterback move out. Someone could slip in your zone, and you don't even know. Well, and a lot of that is um, because, you know, what you think about it. On third down, a lot of times, you like to play press man and bring some guys. Right. Well, one guy gets out of his gap, and it's a gap for the running quarterback to take off and run. Um, You know, you look at um, the the Missouri game. Uh, It was, I think, third and eight. And Anthony went through one read. It wasn't there. Uh, one of the linebackers went through the wrong gap. Boom, he took off. He's gone. You know, got, yeah. I think, a 20-yard gain, 15-yard gain. Um, so, you know, it puts added pressure on, you know, the defenders. And, you know, you look at Florida, for instance. You, you don't like Ventrell Miller. You don't like Amari Bernie. And, you know, you don't like, you know, Florida's linebackers in one-on-one coverage against Jaden Daniels. Chasing him down, you know that's not their game. So you you don't like that. But again, it all depends on Anthony running the ball. I said it from the get go, and I'll say it again: this team will go and this team will come as Anthony Richardson does. If Anthony's on on Saturday, Florida has a big day. If he struggles like the Kentucky game, I don't know how they respond. Uh, I I just don't. It's 
it's pretty simple for me. It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. I mean, Richardson does, you know, he affects the game in so many different ways, right? Even when he's not necessarily on his game, I think, you know, when you look at the, when you look at the Missouri game last week, right, he only threw for, you know, 60 something yards. Um, but I, I, I thought that he affected the game in, in, you know, in a little bit different areas, even when he wasn't on his game, um, right. he can still be a factor for the skaters offense. So I think that's the key, right. Is, is can Richardson step up? Like you're saying, can he, can he, can he run through the gap that he sees? Can, you know, can he, uh, can he escape the pressure? Right. So these are all factors that come into this game because LSU is going to try to get to Richardson. Um, yeah. And he's got to, he's got to be able to make plays. Well, you look at it. Both teams are tied for, for first in the SEC with 12 takeaways. So that, that shows that both teams want to get after the quarterback and both teams pride themselves on takeaways. You know, that's a recipe that's not been good for, for Florida. Um, you know, Richardson turning the ball over, um, but it's been a recipe for good things for Florida. And that, you know, they've been able to get some turnovers in, in games. And, you know, it's allowed for some easy uh, some easy scores. You know, you look back at the Missouri game. Uh, the, the first score was from a turnover. Uh, and then the, the second score came on a, a short field from Xavier Henderson on a return game. So, um, you know, they, those are those are big things. Um, obviously, you can't have, you know, turnovers that are short fields. Uh, for for this defense to cover against LSU, because uh, Jaden Daniels can do the same thing that Anthony Richardson can do, and that is you know create havoc there. Um, so you you look at that and you just hope that um, that's something that you know you 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 win, you win the turnover battle um, overall. Something else that I wanted to look at um, was opponent red zone percentage. Florida and LSU both been pretty good there. Both are under 80% allowing uh, scores in the red zone. That's a really good stat for both teams um, yeah. overall. And uh, I think it's interesting, um, you know, to see, you know, especially with Florida, with a defense that has struggled like they have, um, to, to do that well in the red zone, you know, kind of speaks volumes a little bit to just how when, you know, when it's time to, to man up, they man up. Right. And I, you know, a lot of, a lot of people and understandably so, but a lot of people have, you know, had complaints about the skater defense and, and me and Andrew, you know, we, we both have as well, but I think when you look at this defense compared to last uh, year's, it may not rank up statistically, you know, we, we, it's same, it may still be around the same, but there's, there's improvements that, that are going on, right. The, the red zone defense one of them um you know mm -hmm. it, it's been a pretty you know gators have done a pretty good job there another one is the turnovers like we just mentioned gators did not force turnovers last season uh you know 12 forced turnovers this season right look gators have won multiple multiple games this season simply based off turnovers right obviously a lot of factors go into it but think about it utah amari bernie interception in the end zone quite quite literally won the game right, right. utah was six utah was six yards away from winning Okay, let's go to USF. Uh, Jalen Kimber pick six, and then uh, a couple drives later, um, was it Trevaz jo Trevez Johnson got an interception? Yep. Uh, huge, huge interception. So there's two plays right there. Missouri, Jaden Hill pick six. Right, Gators won by seven points. So uh, you know when you look, I I'm not saying that it's the only reason the Gators won, but it tur turnovers and then especially turnovers when you capitalize on points is huge. It's absolutely huge. If if a team is going to give you, you points 
you need to take them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you got to. And, you know, again, it's – I hate to say – I hate to say Florida's offense struggles, has struggled, because it's not particularly true in some areas. In some areas it is true. Um, but when you have an offense that's inconsistent, I guess is the best way to say it, allowing – you know, them to get up 10 points in Missouri off of basically, you know, what was it, under 100 yards of total offense, 80-something yards of total offense, uh, and to go up 10 points, to allow that offense to settle in, you know, and, you know, you you take it, for instance, like, go go back to the to the Kentucky game where, you know, they had they been able to to turn some of those, you know, opportunities in the second half of, you know, getting turnovers and that kind of stuff into some easy points. You know, that's the difference in those games is, you know, they didn't have any easy drives in the Kentucky game. They didn't have any easy drives in the Tennessee game. Uh, they had to drive the length of the field multiple times. And, you know, while, yes, this team is very capable of doing that, it's it's something they don't they can't do consistently. And a lot of that is because of the inconsistencies all around. Yeah. I took a, I took a deeper dive into the Gators' offense um, yesterday, and, and here's what I found out. I, I don't necessarily know or th- – I don't think that the Gators' offense has been as bad as kind of the number – and the numbers don't, don't predict a, a bad offense, right? The Gators rank seventh in total offense. That's middle-of-the-road SEC, right? Hasn't, we have, they have not been terrible. But I took a deeper dive. The Gators are averaging – um, the fourth most points per drive in the SEC. And I, and I looked at why, you know, why, you know, why do the Gators rank so low in, in points per game and, 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 you know, and things like that in total yards. Gators rank last in the SEC in drives per game, last in the SEC in plays per game, last in the SEC in average starting field position. That's, I mean, that the, the defense and special teams are doing zero favors for this offense. And then I took another, and then I went a little bit deeper and found out that, the Gators aren't punting a whole lot this year, right? They're really not. It, so it's seemingly like the drives are either ending in one, a missed field goal, two, a touchdown, or three, a turnover, right? You know, we've talked about the Gators and the turnovers. Can't turn the ball over, especially when the defense isn't giving you enough opportunities. And you know that, right? Like the Gator offense has to know that they're just not going to get that many opportunities because of the defensive liability, right? So you have to know that, and you just got to take care of the football, right? That's the key to this game. Take care of the football, and I think if the Gators do take care of the football, they're gonna they're gonna be fine. Yeah, and here's another step for you. Florida is 35th in the country this year. They're only committing 5.33 penalties per game. Man, oh man, is that not a far cry better than last year? Well, <laughs> well, you know, I I, I was asked uh, in the in the in the Florida football mailbag what the biggest improvement was from game one to now. And I said penalties, right? right? Because that, after the first three weeks, Andrew, I mean, there was some concern there. I mean, they were, you know, I think we had a 10, we, the Gators had a 10 penalty game uh, and, and, and some other things. And, and it just wasn't looking, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of penalties on special teams and it just wasn't looking great for, for Billy Napier and the Gators. But these last three games, they have really turned a corner. Well, uh, here's they, the thing, and, and not to interrupt you, but yeah, go for it. it's not the, the dumbass penalties. And excuse my language because that's just what I that's just what I call some penalties. 
you know, the the taunting penalties, the the hitting the guys ten yards out of the uh, out of bounds, the throwing the shoe, the the stupid penalties, the penalties that y- you just you know better, you shouldn't do. Uh, you know, obviously you're always going to have games where you have holding calls. You can call. I'm a believer that you can call holding on every play. I'm a believer you can call pass interference on every play if you really, really wanted to. Um, you're going to have those penalties. You're, you're, you're going to. Um, obviously, you want to um, limit those, and they have. I, I think they had one penalty last week, and that was in the middle of the fourth quarter, and that was a false start on Ethan White. So they didn't have a holding call. Uh, but the the dumb penalties that just shoots you in the foot are, are, are the penalties that cost you football games. And for for the most part of the year, Florida has not had those. Um, I don't know that they've had a personal foul, a penalty for a, a late hit or unsportsmanlike or anything like that. They've had some dumb penalties where, you know, a block in the back on kickoffs that are stupid. But I, I don't recall all year, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe they've had any of those. Um, and that's just a, that's a big deal. Um, they're, they're, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to cut no, you off. But I, I, uh, yeah, I did a, I kind of dove into this. This was a few weeks ago. There was, you know, so I haven't checked the last three games, but there hasn't been many penalties in the last three games. So this data probably didn't change very much. I think there was like one person or there was two personal fouls, but they called the, the Justin shorter chop block, a personal foul. Um, right. so there was that one. And then the, the one, uh, Austin Barber, where he just drove the guy into the ground. Those are the only and, – and, and, Andrew, you said that, you know, if you're going to get a penalty, that's the way to do it, right? Just drive them into the ground. Um, drive them into the ground. So, <laughs> you know, when so you look at it that way, and, you know, the, and those were early in the season too. Um, no, just two personal fouls, to my knowledge, this season. Andrew, I went back and double-checked. We talked about it on the podcast earlier in the week. Um, just one holding penalty on offense for the Gators this year. Just one through six <laughs> games. I mean, I, I think the defense has had, I think, two. I don't think it's been a major issue. But one holding penalty uh, for an offensive line through six games, I don't know when the last time that's happened for the Gators. Right, exactly. And, I mean, you know, when when you look at that, that that's improvement. And, you know, I, again, we're, nit, we're, we're nitpicking here, and I, and I get that. But when you're talking about improving the program, those are the things, the discipline part of it that you're improving of the program. And that's where it's, uh, LSU's averaging uh, almost seven penalties a game. So they're not much worse, but, uh, you know, they're there. Well, let's move on. I think it's my turn to pick first this week. And uh, I'm going to go with the Louisiana guys, my first pick of players to shine uh, with Montreal. I got Montreal this week. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to go with uh... – I'm gonna go with Brenton Cox. I think uh, I've been I've been critical of Brenton Cox uh, to this point in the season, but I think the last two games he's put on some really 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 impressive stuff. I think he's made a time improvement and season right. Gators got to get to the quarterback, and I'm looking. It's got to be right here. Okay, I, I like it. I like it. If that's uh, uh, if if Florida's going to get pressure, you, you like uh, Britton Cox there uh, for sure. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a uh, another guy on offense, and I'm gonna go Ricky Pearsall. 
you know, obviously you're going to have um, opportunities in this game to throw the ball. Uh, Anthony, you know, does seem to to rely on Ricky in big spots. Um, so uh, I got Ricky. Uh, Ricky is my pick. I'm gonna to stick to defense again. Um, I'm feeling I'm feeling the defense this week. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Jaden Hill, and here's why. Uh, you know, obvious. I thought the first week he played against Eastern Washington, Andrew, we talked about it. You know, he he showed some good things, but I think ultimately he was pretty inconsistent uh, all the way around. Which which I think that's what you you know almost have to expect, right? From a guy returning from 2020. Um, right. So you know, a little bit inconsistent, but then in in against Missouri, he was outstanding. I mean, he was the player of the week. Uh, fantastic performance. I'm looking for him to build off that, right? I want to see consistent back-to-back good weeks from him because guess what? The Gators need a solid cornerback. They need someone that's going to step up this season and really be that, that that guy. In my opinion, Andrew, I don't think the Gators can continue rotating, you know, six, seven guys out there, you know, or they can, but I, I would just much rather have, you know, the solid guy that's an every down cornerback. And, and I think if Jaden Hill can put together another good week here, uh, against a difficult, you know, some talented, talented LSU wide receivers, that's going to be that's going to be a great thing for the Gators moving forward. You had two defensive players, and you didn't yep. you didn't name the man. Fifty one, man. I mean, come on, the dude. The thing is, like, the thing is, I, I we we know what he's going to do, right? Like, I, I could name him every week. It's 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 you know, I could name him every single week. That guy, that guy's a football player. Uh, he's I, I said it I said it before the season started, Andrew, and I'm pretty sure some people. Gave me some hate for it. I said Ventral Miller is the best football player on this team, right? I said I said football player, not even defender. He's the best football player on this Gators team. Well, I'm a cheat. I'm a cheat. I'm taking him this week. Okay. I, okay. I, the band's gonna get ten tackles. I I will say this: that was one of the most impressive football games from a linebacker I've seen in a long time from Ventral Miller. It reminded me of another time I was in Louisiana. My myself and uh. My, my good friend, Nick Delatore. We went and watched Dylan Moses play in high school over at the U-Lab, and he made the first 21 tackles of the game for his team on defense. Ventrell Miller had that type of performance. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm only 23 years old. I've only seen so many Gator games. Um, but there, was, there were guys in the press box just jaw dropping, and and these were older guys, right? These were these are guys I won't name names, but they, these are guys that have been around for a long time, and they were, I mean, they just couldn't believe what they were watching, like they and, and it and it was coming up in conversation after the game, right? There, I mean, we were just saying, I don't know if we've ever seen a performance like that. It was just the most impressive performance I think that I've ever seen. I mean, it, he he was he was just everywhere on the field. You know, you looked one way and you didn't see him, and then you know and blink of your eyes he's he's there making a making a diving tackle to save a first down it was incredible uh i'm gonna go with i'm gonna i'm gonna go with our other uh top wide receiver here i'm gonna go with justin shorter i'm gonna go back to the offensive side here um you know lsu's gonna gonna be aggressive on defense they're gonna play some man and um and shorter's shorter's gonna have his opportunity to win to win over top and and, and so that's why he's you know he's my player to watch um i think he'll find the end zone in this one Hey, I like it. All right, give me your pick. We talking spread here? Uh, just overall pick. We won't pick the All right, spread. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably get some hate for this, but I'm gonna go LSU is gonna win 28-24. Pains me to say that, but I, I when I look at this 
LSU um, kind of offense. I look at Jaden Daniels and, 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 you know, like we've mentioned earlier, I don't think he's, you know, a very impressive quarterback in the, in the past game. But what scares me going into this game is containing him. The Gators have not done a good job this year of containing quarterbacks. We saw it against Hendon Hooker. If you go back and check Hendon Hooker's uh, stat, stat lines for the rest of the games this season, he has not ran for that many yards. I think he ran for 90 yards against the Gators. Um, just, and then, you know, we kind of saw it against Cam Rising a little bit too in the Utah game and, 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 uh, and Jerry Bohannon as well. Uh, I, that, that just scares me. He's a real running threat. I think the Gators keep this game really close. I think it comes down to the last second, but I, I just don't see the Gators having an answer for Jaden Daniels in, in, in this offense. You trust Brian Kelly. No. The thing is, it has nothing to do with Brian Kelly. I just, this defense of the Gators this season, I, 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 um, you know, they obviously took a huge step up. And I, but I do think, you know, my opinion has slightly changed um, throughout this course of the podcast just because I was looking at more statistics and, and, and looking at what was going on. And 20 sacks is a lot. That's a lot. And, and I know the Gators have kind of been a little bit inconsistent with getting to the quarterback this season. Um, but, you know, my job is to, is to, is to kind of be honest and, and tell you how I see it. And I'm going LSU. I, like I said, I think it's a really close game. 27-21 Gators. Come on. Tennessee, LSU couldn't score on Tennessee. Florida scored on Tennessee. Brian Kelly. It's Tom Petty night in the swamp. It is going to be mayhem in the swamp. I like the Gators. Billy Nap- this is personal for Billy Napier. I, I, I don't think people have talked about it enough. It's personal for Billy Napier. If Billy Napier wants to whip another team, it's outside of Alabama, it's probably LSU. Um, you know, he's already smacked Dabo once. So yeah. that's you know that's okay. LSU. <laughs> I, I I got Florida. I'm usually pretty pretty good about it. I got Florida this week. Uh, yeah, I respect it. I I I picked Florida to win this season, and I picked them to lose. I I picked them to beat Utah, uh, and a lot of a lot of people did not. Um, I picked us to beat Kentucky. They did not win. Um, I picked us to lose to Tennessee. We lost. I I've got a decent record this year. I've got a decent record. Um. I think I've only missed one game, and it was the Kentucky game. But, yeah, I just – look, I I think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, I think these teams match up really well, and I think Vegas thinks so too, right? Because when you look at the spread, it's 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 flirting between two and a half and three points. I think it's 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 been back and forth. Uh, and that's – and usually it's about a three-point home field advantage as far as the spread is concerned. Right. So, you know, if these teams were playing on a neutral site, this game's a pick em. I mean, this game is a toss-up, right? right. So – and and there's just some defensive inconsistencies, you know, specifically at containing and, and kind of the defensive backs, I'm going to be honest, I they've, in my opinion, have taken a step back. I thought Jason Marshall played his worst game last week, Andrew. Um, I, I went back and watched the film and he was just soft in the zone. Um, and, and I, and we haven't really, like, in my opinion, I thought that, I think Marshall's played pretty good ball to this point in the season, but last week was, was a, was an issue. Uh, I just got done watching the film and it, it just wasn't pretty stuff from him. And LSU's got two or three really good wide receivers. Uh, Malik Neighbors is their leading receiver, and 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 it, he's gonna he can beat you if you let him. Um, you know if you if the, if if the Gators defensive backs are soft in their zone, LSU LSU receivers are gonna find it. Uh, yeah. So you know uh, it's just it's just the defensive inconsistencies for me. I think I think uh, I don't like the the LSU defense doesn't doesn't concern me too much. I think. I think Florida has uh, opportunity to, to put up 
put up some points in this one. I just think it's a lot of running. It's going to chew some clock. That's why I think I, I, I think I have 28, 24. I, I put it out in the, uh, in our official round table. So we'll, we'll see there, but I, I think that's what I, I know. I went with LSU winning. 27-21. We'll see who's right on Monday, my friend. Uh, big recruiting Look, weekend I, as well. And it's going to be jam-packed, my friend. It is. Jam-packed. And let me, just, let me just tell you this, Andrew. I hope you're right. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I, uh, I really do. I hope you're right. Uh, I I've can't never, pick Brian Kelly, man. I've, I, never I, wanted to be, I've never wanted to be more wrong in a pick than I am right now. I just my job is to tell you how I see it and and to tell you what I think and that's what I'm doing. Hey, I respect it. I just tell you I can't trust Brian Kelly. Ain't nothing yeah. about Brian Kelly I can trust. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I can trust him to have bad dancing and bad Southern accents. So uh, that's about it. Uh, yeah, big recruiting weekend though as well. Uh, a lot of big names. We'll recap that on Monday as well. And uh, make sure to check us out on Gator Country. Uh, uh, dot com and on the web and uh, follow us as we'll uh, have a lot of coverage on Saturday of recruiting, of uh, big game, Tom Petty night, everything else. So uh, make sure to check us out and we'll see everybody on uh, Monday.